great to be gathered in God's house during this Advent season. It's good just to join our hearts in praise together and unite together as we lift up the name of Jesus, as we reflect as God's people on all that Christ has done for us. One way that we have been um, celebrating this holiday season, this Advent season, is through our, our series. We're focusing on the themes of Advent, but also as we gather each Sunday in this series, we're lighting candles. Um, some of you did this when you were kids in, in your traditions, and some of, this, some of this is new to some of you, as it was new to me a few years ago. But um, we're going to continue to light those candles this morning. Remember we said last week that the first candle we lit... We called the prophet's candle. I don't know if you remember why we call it. My kids remember why, because they've heard me say it a million times. We called it the prophet's candle because it reminded us that the arrival of Jesus and his mission to seek and to save the lost was not an accident and it was not a plan B. It was foretold. Uh, it was actually decreed before the foundations of the world. And it was foretold hundreds and thousands of years in advance. That the prophets came and spoke to us about a coming king and a new kingdom and the era of unprecedented peace that God would bring through that new king. And today, today we light the second candle and we call it the Bethlehem candle. And the reason we call it the Bethlehem candle is that it serves to help remind us of the manner of Jesus coming. That, that the King of kings and the Lord of lords descended to earth and arrived not in the way that we would think. Not with the ticker tape parade, not with the fanfare, not with, the, not with all the ostentatious displays of power and might and glory. No, he came to the little town of Bethlehem and he was born in a manger. He took instead the role of a servant, like Philippians would tell us. And he ministered to us and he served us and he met our needs by putting his own needs aside and caring for our greatest need, the need of a Savior. The Bethlehem candle points us to that little town of Bethlehem, not to the center of political might and power, not to the center of religious influence. No, it points us to Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5 Verses 1 through 5 is a good reading for us this morning. It's where Matthew leads under the direction of the Spirit when he tells the Christmas story. Here's what Micah tells us, starting in verse 2 of Micah 5. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. This morning that little town of Bethlehem reminds us of the humility of Jesus. And we focus our attention this morning on the Advent theme of peace, and we have an amazing treat today. Um, we, we have the great privilege this morning of hearing from Pastor Duke, who founded this church in 1978 and led it faithfully as our senior pastor for the better part of three decades. He's on the road a lot these days. I just told, I told Miss Josie, I don't, 
I don't remember the last time I heard you preach because when you filled the pulpit last time, I wasn't here. It has been months and months and months since I've gotten to hear Pastor Duke bring the word to us. He travels a lot and he teaches all over the country. He teaches church planters and he encourages church congregations. He teaches them about missions and revival and prophecy. He does a lot of Bible teaching. He's probably preaching more now than he ever had uh, in ministry. He's, he doesn't know how to do retirement. Pastor Duke, you're doing it wrong. But please make him welcome this morning as he comes to teach us about peace. In reality, I'm just an old hippie. Say amen, John. You know, I just think in the irony of today, the, the topic of peace, you know, back in my day, hey, peace out, man, what's up? And we didn't know peace, amen? There was no peace. The Bible says there shall be no peace. And so I, I'm really thrilled with uh, my part of the Advent uh, mystery, the mystery of prophecy, the unfolding of miracles, and the power of love. What an amazing plan. I, I quote Pastor Matt a lot too. This is not plan B. <laughs> it's the plan. Right, kind of quietly backstage, God was doing this phenomenal thing. And yet most people were missing it. But it seems that people who had an ache in their heart, needs beyond their uh, means and abilities, hurting, it seems... Pain can be God's tool to condition our hearts to seek and to listen. And if you seek, Jesus said, you will. He promised you, you will find. I have Isaiah's prophecy open, chapter 7, verse 14, 620 years before the birth of Christ in Bethlehem of Judea. He's looking down through the quarter of time. If you're my age, you've seen this verse on a thousand Christmas cards. The wonder of the Father looking upon a hurting planet. And he has hope. He's got a plan. He can fix it. And I think the father smiles as he fills the prophet's heart with these prophetic words. You know, we, we see in, in the present, we can remember the past, we cannot see into the future. Well, that's what separates the Bible from all other books because history is not random. It, it was pre-written. And I think the father smiles as he makes a promise to us. Now, for these people, Israel have some bad kings, <laughs> some bad politics, amen, <laughs> and uh, they're, they're, they're a mess. They had the prophets, they're not really listening. Isaiah wasn't every, anybody's hero, you know. A lot of these words were falling on deaf ears, but he said, therefore, verse 14, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, that word behold, don't race past it. It means stop. 
Listen. Get hold of this. This is a big deal. You have a hole in your heart. This will fill it. You have questions. This will answer it. You have insecurities. This will solidify it. Get hold of it. Behold. Virgin shall conceive and bear a son. That's just amplification of exactly what God said in Genesis 3.15. Immediately after Adam and Eve sinned, God shows up in the garden. He condemns Satan. He casts the, uh, uh, Satan out. He, uh, he says, I'll destroy you, Satan, through the seed of a woman. A woman without a man will have a child that will crush your head. The first prophecy of the Messiah. And I, Isaiah clarifies this a wee bit. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and, uh, and bear a son. S-O-N. We know him to be the Son of God. God the Son. And bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted in the New Testament says, God with us. He's coming on a rescue mission. And you are why he came. This is personal. Then we go to chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, which kind of lays the foundation for the focus of our thinking this morning. Verse 6, for unto us a child is born, Emmanuel, the Christ child, the Messiah. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given in the government. This is the line of the tribe of Judah. There's two pictures of Christ. We focus uh, uh, Christmas, the, the baby Jesus, the incarnation, the visitation of God, Emmanuel, God is here. This is the second advent of Christ when he comes to establish his kingdom and he'll rule and reign uh, for a thousand years with a rod of iron. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. This is the part this is talking about. This is the part they liked the most because they were in occupied territory. They were in bondage at, at, at the time of Jesus to the Romans. Uh, for unto us a child is born, a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there'll be no end. God is promising them what he's going to do. And he always does what he said he'll do. They're going to get a fresh start. Amen. Some of us really needed a fresh start. Amen, Dave? You were a mess, dude. <laughs> Just a reminder. You were under the bus twice yesterday and now once already this morning. A fresh start. clean slate. All of our sins, according to scriptures, were being recorded against us. Eighth grade. <laughs> then things went down from there. But in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off are now made nigh, close, for the blood that would be shed 33 years after Jesus is born, 
that blood would wash away how many of our sins? Past, present, and one sacrifice once for all. And that record of my sin, he nailed it to the cross, cast it as far as the east is from the west, buried it in the deepest sea, and he remembers it no more. That's what Christmas is about. The forgiveness of sins. Cleansed. Redeemed. Brought back. Forgiven. Eternal life. The older I get, the more I like those verses. Amen? People say, what's your favorite verse in all the Bible? Anything to do with eternal life. That's, that's my favorite verse. A fresh start, a clean slate, forgiveness, enlightenment. Open our eyes to see. We used to say, what's happening, man? We had no clue. And so much of this was right in our face. But we can't see spiritual things until uh, he quickens us. He makes us alive. His spirit draws us. He, he, he knocks on the door of our heart. He, he moves us. It is God which worketh in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And he's not willing that any should perish. He lights the path of every man that comes into the world. I'm an 18-year-old kid. Pastor Matt was a 16-year-old kid. And he was church and I was drugged up. <laughs> but we were both lost. And then the Lord does that miraculous work in our hearts. And he quickens us. He, in theology, uh, I just lost the word. Illuminate. There it is. Whew. I don't know if it was 1969 or 2019. You know, the, you lose things. Illumination. This little candle with the room was completely dark and the candle's unlit and then Pastor Matt lights it. And if all, if there was no light at all in the room, that would stand out as the brightest thing. And the Spirit of God illuminates us and he changes our hearts and he gives us spirit eyes, enlightenment, empowerment. Not, not only to know what's right to do. I knew a lot of right to do, just couldn't do it. <laughs> Needed help. And that's why the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. To take the place of what we are. To change us. To conform us to the image of His dear Son. Not religion and obligation coming from the outside, but the Spirit. The Holy Spirit inside of us. Opening our eyes to see, moving, changing our hearts to be conformed to the image of his dear son. Christmas did not begin in Bethlehem. It began in the Garden of Eden when God gave that first promise and began to unfold the plan. Through the centuries, the Lord would add uh, more uh, clues, more signs to look for. So that when it was God's time for the Redeemer to come, the world would be prepared. And those who were seeking would easily find. You see, for you to be able to really 
celebrate Christmas. You got to understand what the problem was. And I remember, and those of you who've been around Newtown and Temple all these years, you've heard my story a thousand times that the last Christmas I had of 71 before I would, would know Christ, sitting on a car. We'd gone Christmas caroling, and it was a miserable failure. Nobody knew the songs except the born-again Christian girl who took us. You know, we sang, you know, joy to the world, la, 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 la. I knew the tune. And so we just drove around and looked at Christmas lights, took everybody home, sat on the front of the car on a quiet road, Kerr Road. I could take you to the place, Pastor Matt. I stopped every time I go to Ohio. I drive down that road and I stop right there. Sometimes I get out of my car and I sit and people think, this guy's lost his mind. You're not, but we're screwed under the right bolts, amen? And uh, it was emptiness. Going home to a material Christmas. Thousands of dollars had been spent. And it, was, it didn't fill the hole in our heart. But the Spirit was drawing me. People were praying for me. My, my moment of quickening, my moment of illumination was going to happen in just a few short months. It was under conviction. The Spirit was drawing me. People were praying for me. You see, I had a problem. In when Adam and Eve sinned, that, that, that was the foundation of our birth, spiritual birth, or our, our, our physical birth. When they sinned, they, they, they became sinners, and sin separated them from a holy God. Our sin separates us from God. He's holy. He can't become unholy so he can start loving us. He had to have this amazing plan to maintain his holiness and still redeem us and bring us back to a right standing with him, and that's the Christmas story. But the Christmas story is attached to the, to the Easter story. It's just one story. And we should celebrate the incarnation. We should celebrate that darkest day of history when he died. But that darkest day was really our day of victory. What a story. And I remember those years I didn't understand it. I knew it was a big deal. But I, I didn't quite connect it. It was a dark day in the garden. Adam and Eve sinned against God. They're separated from God, separated from their father. Spiritually died that day, separated from God, destined to hell. Death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire. Their intellect is darkened. Their emotions are perverted. Their will is rebellious. Their heart is hardened. God is no longer the center of their universe. They are. It's all about me. Adam and Eve made themselves aprons. You know Adam was seeking some assistance on that, to, you know, the fig leaves. Yo, Eve, you know I need a little help here? She said, Neil, you're on your own, big boy. They made themselves aprons. She's probably making fun of how ugly his was compared to hers, amen? And now greed, lust, violence would begin to flow out of the garden next chapter Cain kills Abel because Abel was doing it God's way and Cain wanted to do it his way 
God is holy, man is unholy. That's our problem. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels, but Isaiah 5.14 says, Hell hath enlarged herself because of the hardness of our hearts. Man was given unto sin, and the will of his father, you are the father, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil, and the will of your father you will do. And now, our spiritual forefathers and we ourselves became pawns to the evil prince to advance his kingdom of darkness and depravity. But oh, we got some good news coming. Amen. If you've got a clean bill of health and you've, had, you've lived uh, uh, clean and, and uh, you're, you're 60 years old and you're healthy, praise God. But if, you, if you're 60 years old and you've gotten the bad reports, PSA levels are high, and you have been diagnosed with cancer, and uh, all the horror and the terror and the fear of that hits you in your face, and you're stopped dead in your tracks, and you're fearful, and you realize that your life is but a vapor, pure for a moment that can vanish away, and maybe this is my time, and all that hits you and, you, and the doctor says, well, we'll try this, and we'll do that, and you do it, and you pray, and we anoint you with oil, and then, you know, they do the surgery, and they do this, and then down the road, they do the test, and you come up, cancer-free, that's a huge deal, because you understand. You've been there. You've been on that edge. You faced that fear. And now you're cleansed. Now you're cancer free. And there's a joy that you have. That I've never known that joy because I've not been in that place. But you see, when you understand the significance of your sin and how horrible that is and how it binds you and how it, it jades your thinking and you see everything through that lens and, and you're living in a world where everybody else is out for themselves and your button head's here and your button head's there and it's not working out and you try and you fail and, and, and you let yourself down and you don't even like who you see in the mirror and, and that's beginning to get grab hold of you. As an 18-year-old kid, I looked in the mirror and I didn't like who I saw. I saw my dad being unfaithful to my mom and breaking her heart and I thought I would never do do that to a woman that I say I love. And now I had my first girlfriend. I was unfaithful to her. I was doing exactly the same thing that my dad did. It made me sick that he did it to my mom. And now I'm doing exactly the same thing. I cried out with the Apostle Paul before I knew the verse, oh, wretched man that I am, what's wrong with me? I'm a mess. I need help. And Jesus is sneaking up on me. He used a pretty girl. He knew how it would work. Want to go to church with me? I was like, girl, I'll go to the dentist with you. <laughs> Amen? Wow. And now, with that condemnation and that bondage, backstage, God was making a way for me Johnny, and Stephen, and Mandy, and Jen. He began to unfold the plan through the seed of a woman in Genesis 3, the seed of Abraham, specific family. Abraham miraculously would have a child 
of promise way beyond it. Miraculously, Isaac is born. Isaac gets Jacob, Jacob the 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. Genesis 49, 10, the Redeemer will come through the tribe of Judah. And we fast forward through uh, uh, the Exodus and Joshua and the conquering of the land, the 12 judges and the, the united monarchy. King Saul fails King David's time. And because David was a man after God's own heart, God said, David, one from your seed will sit on the throne of Israel forever. Now the genealogies are going to become really important as we creep up to the Christmas story. You get into that chapter about baby Jesus and you know, from Adam, you know, so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so, you know, 14 generations, 14 generations, 14 generations, and you can't say all those Hebrew names, neither can I. We preachers, we just fake them, amen? And you don't know any better. And then you say them the same way we do. And they go down south and they think you're weird. But really, they're weird. We're, we're the cool people, right? That's not a coinkydink. God was pinpointing exactly when, where, how, and who the Redeemer would be. And he gives that whole genealogy. And it, it ends with Joseph espoused to a virgin named Mary. Joseph would have been, should have been, would have been king of Judah, of Israel. Had it not been that they turned away from God and they fell to Babylonian captivity, uh, which fell to the Persian, which fell to the Greeks, which fell to the Romans. The Romans are now in power. And Joseph would have been the king. But he was carpenter, you know, from the backside of nowhere, woulda, coulda, shoulda. And God had everything fit perfectly together. And by marrying Mary, who was with child, conceived of the Holy Spirit, the sinful nature that we all have, according to Romans 5.12, comes from our earthly fathers. Jesus had no earthly father, therefore he had no sinful nature. It's not just a story. It's, there's science. <laughs> there's genetics. It all comes together with the person of Jesus. And we, we pick up that story. Joseph's girlfriend, his, his, his espoused wife, she disappears. And she wouldn't respond on her twit Twitter account. <laughs> Facebook's down. He doesn't know where she's at. She's with her, her cousins. She's so troubled by her pregnancy. Be it unto me, Lord, according to thy will, not my will, thine be done. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. And her surrender to Jesus to be part of the Christmas story made life really difficult for her. She's with child. What's her fiancé going to say? So she runs to Jerusalem and, and, and hangs out with Elizabeth and Zechariah who just had, or were pregnant with John the Baptist and they were cousins and so this whole drama begins to unfold. She comes back three months later. She's pregnant. Joseph is heartbroken. He's heartbroken. He, he doesn't want her to die. Be mindful to put her away and just start out again and then the angel visits him. 
he's enlightened. And he steps up to the responsibility of being Joseph and being the father to this little baby boy whose name will be called Jesus. And all of that drama unfolds. And they're up in Nazareth. The Christ child will be born in Bethlehem, the prophet said. Houston, we have a problem. Doesn't God hold in his hand the heart of kings and moves their will whithersoever he desires? And so, coinkydink, there comes a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxation uh, was done when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, that all the world should be taxed and every man must go to the city of his birth. Very inconvenient for Joseph and Mary, jo Mary great with child. But the sovereign God of the universe is working quietly backstage to do what? Exactly what he said he would do. And if you don't know the prophecies, it's just this story. But when you know the prophecies, it's way more than a story. The mystery of prophecy. It's God moving among us. to unfold his plan, to redeem us, to give us everlasting life, to fulfill his dream for us. I want to go to Romans 5 for just a moment and we'll wrap this thing up. Here's the theological side of Christmas. Romans 5. I'm so excited I can't even hardly find it. There we go. Romans 5.8 says, but God, I'm going to just give it in the quotation. I, I memorized it in King James language 175 years ago. But God, here you and I in our worst condition, John and I are at the concerts with Sly and the family, Stone, I want to take you. Higher. Remember? We're messed up. Given to the will of our father, the devil. Some of you weren't as rotten as me. But God commended his love. He gave us his love. And that while we're yet sinners, Christ dies for us. At our lowest moment, God said, I accept you through my son. Here's why he had to do that. Verse 1, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified, just as if we never sinned, clean slate, fresh start, forgiven, empowered. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have what? Peace. Which completely eluded me which completely eludes Mick Jagger to this day, who said, with great joy in Rolling Stone magazine many years ago, when he was asked, how do you get such power? You're dumb, you're ugly, you got a lousy voice, you can't play an instrument, and yet you are the rock star of the ages. How do you have such power? He said, quote, I sold my soul to the devil. That's what he said. And what is he saying? I can't get no. 
He ain't got no peace. But I do. Dear Mick, listen to Jesus. Fame and fortune and crowds doesn't fill the hole in your heart. We have peace with God. You see, there's, there's two, two sides to this peace. There's the peace with God. And that's the Jesus side of it. That's the cross side of it. That's what God did. That's the plan. There's that side of it, peace with God. And then there's our side of it. When we, he opens our eyes to see that plan, and then we say, yes, thank you. I believe. I'm in. I'm so sorry. I'm so thankful. And we let go. We let God. And we, pay faith, we place our faith and trust in him our Savior. That's our part. He knocks his part. We open our part. He calls his part. We come our part. That's called worship. That's called entering in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate that leadeth unto destruction. So we have peace with God. The blood of his son cleanses from all sin. And he, you ever get that final statement on your mortgage or on, on your car, you know, paid in full? I love that stamp. And when Jesus went to the cross, the price was paid. That's his part. And when you believe, that's our part, he stamps it paid in full. We have peace with God. And now, because we have peace with God, here's the fun part. Now we get to have the peace of God. I no longer look at the world with frustration politically. I know Jesus is going to come and fix it. I know there will not be peace until the Prince of Peace comes and establishes his kingdom. I pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but I know when that peace is coming. But I pray for it. God puts on our hearts what's on his heart. All we got is this little time frame. He doesn't have a time frame. He's outside of time. But he's in time, and he's always on time. Figure that one out. And then open your eyes and look up. You'll find yourself under the bed, quoting the Greek alphabet backwards. Amen? He's just a little bit beyond us, amen? His thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are not our ways. As the heavens are high above the earth, even so are his ways and his thoughts above ours. And you know, I want to bring that all around to this story again. Here's Joseph. <laughs> I got to go to Jerusalem and pay my taxes. The taxes are already too high. It's unjust. It ain't right. But he takes Mary with him, 90 miles Minivans broke down riding a donkey or walking. My wife didn't want to make a 90-mile walk when she was ready to give birth to a child. We just, I just wouldn't be thrilled to get her to the car. 90 miles, baby. I can't wait to talk with Joseph. Did you know the prophecy? Did you know that Christ was to be born in Bethlehem? Or did you just stumble across it? I don't know. I stumble across everything. I don't figure anything. I just, oh, there it is. I don't know. It's a great question. We just don't know. But there he is. He's in Bethlehem, and the child comes. Can you imagine this? 
the drama that night. She's with child. The, the city is full of, uh, of travelers coming for the same reason he's coming. They don't have reservations. He goes to the inn. There's no room. She's in, she's in labor. And the guy gives her a little cave out back, a little stable. Some of us have been in that cave. The Catholics decorated it a bit. <laughs> they did a makeover. <laughs> but it's the cave. It's the cave. And it didn't smell so good. And they're desperate. And this is her first birth. Her first burst. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. She, gonna, she has a baby out there. I don't see anywhere where he had Lamont's childbirth training. I went through it three times. It didn't do me any good. This dude's he's flying solo. And the baby comes. Can you imagine the drama of this? And the shepherds come running up. The angels came, joys of the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. He's like, what? Hello? Here's how I picture it. They come to see the baby, and he picks up the baby. And he's got baby Jesus in his hands. And he's got a Bible in his other hand. But thou Bethlehem, you out of you the Prince of Peace will come. The peace that God gives to those who believe. Peace. We're no longer responsible to pay the penalty that we deserve for our sin. Mercy beat out justice. Love beat out hate. Truth beat out lies and we have the peace with God and now we've connected those dots and there's Joseph right where God wanted him it wasn't a fun place it wasn't easy it's overwhelming as God began to work in my young life it was overwhelming called me to preach I didn't even know what that meant I just thought that means stand up with a Bible on Sunday morning and preach a sermon. I didn't realize there's a whole lot of other stuff that goes with that. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't know. <laughs> just preaching is so fun, I'm willing to do all the other stuff. Amen, Pastor Matt? I teach my young preacher boys, you've got to wait through a lot of garbage to get to the goodies. Preaching is the goody part. And there's Joseph. Connected the dots. I'm chosen. I would be king. Wouldn't be for the fall of Jerusalem and all that. I'd, I'd be the king. And now this child, my firstborn, is the king. The Magi came from Persia saying, we have come to worship him who was born what? King of the Jews. And Joseph is holding the king. Born right where the prophets said he would. Those same prophets said he would flee to Egypt. Herod finds out about this other king. He's intimidated. He goes out and kills all the babies, but they miss Jesus. Herod dies a miserable death. Somebody say amen. And Joseph returns, and the child is raised in Nazareth. 
My son will come out of Egypt. Cha-ching. Born in Bethlehem. Cha-ching. He shall be called a Nazarene. Cha-ching. And the prophecies are fulfilled to the letter. The Prince of Peace has come to bring peace in our hearts as we understand he's the Lamb of God. And then when he comes again, he'll come as the Prince of Peace to establish his kingdom. And that's where peace. John Lennon sang about that peace. Imagine all the world living in peace. He imagined it outside of Jesus. I've heard some, anybody hear the stories that John came to faith? Oh, I hope that's true. But that kingdom is coming. And his will was done on earth as it is in heaven. Are you in? Are you quickened? Are you made alive? Does he turn on your lights? Is Jesus in your heart? Are you full of joy? Peace with God, I'm forgiven. I know my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. These things have I written unto you to believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That'll give you a little bit of peace, amen? You get the bad news from the phone from the doctor, you still have peace, we win. If I die, I, I, I win. Blessed in the eyes of the Lord is the day of, uh, 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 in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. The day of our death is better than the day of our birth, Ecclesiastes says. And so, do you got it? I know that's bad English, but I like the way that sounds. Do you got it? Are you in? Have you called on the Lord? If not, quoting Pastor Matt, if not, why not? Today'd be a good day, wouldn't it? What is today? December 7th? December 8th. I'm still in yesterday. Still celebrating Ohio State victory. Sorry. Sorry. You don't even want to see what t-shirt I have on right now. Are you in? You'll not have peace by having a material Christmas. You'll not have peace by getting that better job and a bigger house and a nicer car and a better trip or a younger wife or a, younger, a richer husband. That's not where it comes from. And I see the world chasing that on every level and always coming up Empty. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. The worship team will come. Most important part of the service is right now. Most of you look back and you say, wow, I remember that day. Pastor Matt remembers that day on the pig farm when all of a sudden all that he'd been learning in Sunday school and junior church and youth group and Sunday services his whole life, all of a sudden he was, he was conflicted and he was convicted and that was the day. When he let go and let God and a whole new life would begin to unfold. I remember my day, June 18th, 1972. Most of you remember that day. Some of you say, Pastor Duke, I think that day for me is going to be today. I am ready. I want Jesus. I do believe in him and today's my day. I want to call on him. Ask him to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and save me. Change me from the inside out. Would you raise your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor Duke. Today's my day. All over the house, hold it up real high so I can see it. Anybody? I've not done that, but I'm ready. Would you hold it up real high if that's you? Let me see your hand. I don't see any hands. How many of you just say, Lord, I remember that day. Oh, Lord, what a day that was.
What a day. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this amazing Advent story. It was only promises to them when those prophecies were given. We're on the other end of that thing. We, we've seen them fulfilled. Oh, how easy it is to believe. But we don't want to just be believers. We want to be adorers. We want to be like the magi, the wise men that came from the east, bearing gifts of gold because you're the king and frankincense uh, because you're God and myrrh because you're going to die for us, the death that we deserved. Oh, Lord, overwhelm us with your glory. Uh, quicken us with your truth. Put a fire in our hearts that we live above the trivia of this world, above the materialism of this world's Christmas. Lord, we know you and we love you. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.